Can you tell that we like Star Wars? The NFL is going to celebrate good times again. Where the hell is Austin? This is The Shakedown. Everybody and welcome to episode 16 of the Shakedown Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Schweizer. Joining me this week, Dylan Webster. Austin Stevens will not be with us. He's missing his first episode as he is going to the Cubs-Dodgers game with a battle of the aces, Lester versus Kershaw. Yep, it's going to be a good one. Ought to be unless the Cubs continue their offensive woes. It's a distinct possibility against Kershaw. He's kind of good. He's been known. Yeah. All right. This week, uh, we're we're going to come at you on Tuesday, if you listen the day that it's actually uploaded, because tomorrow, Monday, is Memorial Day. Uh, with that in mind, we'd like to just take a moment of silence to honor those who have made the ultimate sacrifice for our country. All right, thank you, and let's get rolling into geekdom, Dylan. All right. All right, so over the past couple of weeks, I've been listening to some Star Wars audiobooks. Ooh. Yeah, they're the only books that I've listened to on audio and the only books I've read in the past, like, three years. I haven't read a book since, like, fifth grade. Wow. And now I'm pretty sure that was part of the Hatchet you, series. You went through junior high, high school, and college without reading books. Well, not all the way through, I should say. Ah, okay. So you read snippets of some books. Well, like, <clears throat> the books in high school were mostly... T- okay, I will, I should say I did read all of Mice and Men because that was actually really ah, good. Ah, see, now you've told a lie. Yes, I have. We'll, f- we'll put that in recording. our corrections next week. <laughs> well, you just corrected yourself. Yeah, but we'll also do it next week, too, because we need something. Ah, yeah. No, screw it. Moving on. So yeah, I I think I didn't think the actual. Well, the last time I read a book for my own personal <clears throat> enjoyment was probably about fifth grade. Okay, that's fair. Being forced to read a book is completely different because there's no joy in that, especially when the books are mostly terrible. Yeah, like where the legends live or die. I don't remember which it was, but gosh, it was terrible. Or. Uh, Oh, God, Fahrenheit, whatever. 451? Yeah, Fahrenheit 451. That book was awful. Quite the struggle. I told my teacher that every day. I was like, this book (laughs) sucks. Can I stop reading it? She was like, no. No. I'm like, but... uh." Well, since you brought up corrections and omissions, we do have a correction from our last episode. That we do. Um, I made a comment about... Austin being your not ex-best friend, to which he responded, wow, that would be awkward. What if he responded with, but I'm not your best friend? And then I looked at our Twitter page, and we are clearly described as three best friends. And then we thought about it and decided, are we really best friends? Because Austin keeps skipping our grandparents' funerals. <laughs> it's almost like he doesn't want to go. Yeah, rude. He doesn't want to go to this event where everyone's sad and crying and there's a dead body in the room. Half yeah. Sometimes. So unsupportive. Yeah, what a <laughs> dick. Well, anyways, I think we're three best friends. We're, I, we came to the conclusion, I think, that it's two best friends and one acquaintance. Oh, no, no, no. Remember, it was uh, two sets of best friends because you're Austin's acquaintance. But I'm Austin's best friend, and you're my best friend. So you're just... It's two sets of best it's, friends it's out a weird, of three people. It's a weird triangle effect. <laughs> yeah, it's a It's, it's like a triangle. A, it's an isosceles triangle ah. with two best friend sides that are the same length and then ah, one yes. really short acquaintance. But wouldn't you think the best friend sides are the shorter sides and then the acquaintance is the long because there's more distance between you? Best friends are close. Damn, you just blew my mind. <laughs> some some real weird triangle. <laughs> Either way. It's got a real, real, real wide base. No matter what, we're not equilateral. 
definitely not, and we're not. That's right. I just dropped some geometry knowledge on you fools, and I suck at this. Not a right triangle either. Nope. There's nothing about us that's right. If anything, we're a little bit left, and he's a little bit country. Well, anyways. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a little bit rock and roll. Uh, Anyways, Star Wars. So, the last three that I've read are the, or rather listened to, are the Aftermath series. Now, is this a series that has Dr. Dre, Eminem, and 50 Cent? No. No, it doesn't. Okay, I read completely different books then. Nah, wrong Aftermath. Uh, so, uh... So, these... the, so, Darth Vader never comes out and goes, Shady. Aftermath. No. Damn! Definitely doesn't. That'd be badass. Well, I'll talk to George Lucas and can see we, if he can... Can we just ask James Earl Jones to record that? Because that would be so cool. Yeah, I'll tweet him. Cool. Alright, awesome. so... He can do that while he records Mufasa. Mufasa. Mufasa, Mufasa, Mufasa! <laughs> Man, well, Mawson's not here. We really go off the rails. Yeah, we do. Let's keep it rolling. All right. So, uh, this series is one of the first uh, set of books commissioned to be official canon after Disney took over. Uh, these books, the first one picks off, picks up just a few months after the destruction of the second Death Star. So, um, the set of main characters that it follows through the three books are Nora and Temin Wexley. Nora is Temin's mother. She was a pilot for the Rebel Alliance. Uh, She was actually one of the Y-Wings that accompanied Lando Calrissian down the Death Star. Yeah, so... so She's important. She, uh, she has some flashbacks to that moment because, you know, the Death Star was blowing up around her as she raced out of it. Yep. So she has some terrifying flashbacks to being swallowed by flames and then spit out into darkness. I can imagine. Yeah. See, Lando um, was all happy and like, yeah! And she and was she just was, like, get out, get out, get out, get she out! She was like, oh my god, we're all gonna die! Um, <clears throat> so, Temin is her son. He is 15. Um, the series takes place over the course of little less than a year so he turns 16 towards the end um austin says we are all groot but that doesn't mean anything about who's the host it's true (laughs) so um on top of them is temin's b1 battle droid uh the b1s are the battle droids from the clone wars the roger roger he found him basically customized him and programmed him himself to be his kind of bodyguard. He's a pretty interesting droid character, good addition to the Star Wars universe as far as uh, droids go. So um, there's also uh, a bounty hunter who is a Zabrak, there's which always is, a bounty hunter. Which is uh, Darth Maul's race, or the Zabrak. Ooh. So, that's pretty cool. I didn't even know what Darth Maul's race was. Um, her name is Jazz Amari. I, I, I like the name Jazz. <clears throat> uh, there is... Damn, have you ever a daughter named her Jazz? Uh, you know what? I kind of like it. We'll see. Jazz Schweizer. <clears throat> Jazz Schweizer. We can call her Jazzy. I like it. Yes. Um... There is also an ex-empirical, or ex-imperial, sorry, um, that his name, I'm drawing a regrettable blank on here, Um, but he was a loyalty officer and was actually on the ground at Endor when the battle to take down the second Death Star happened. Mm. And basically, uh, he saw a whole bunch of crap go down on the surface, and when he saw the Death Star blow up, he changed out of his blood-covered Imperial uniform, put on a Rebel uniform to get off the planet, and has just been hanging out in bars around the galaxy since then. Um... It's a good place to hang out. Yeah, they are. They are joined 
right at the end of the first book uh, by a new uh, Republic commando named Jom. Uh, he was he came to the planet there that they're on basically as a ground scouting team and everyone else on his team got killed. Oof. Um, and so he's kind of a lone survivor and makes his way through the city and ends up helping them out indirectly and then joins up with them in the second book. Um, <clears throat> but that's basically the core team that this follows. Um, it is Wedge Antilles makes a pretty uh, common appearance throughout the series. He is kind of like on the fringes of being Nora Wexley's love interest. Okay. So that's cool. <clears throat> um, Princess Leia Mon Mothma make appearances. Uh, Han Solo and Chewbacca. Yay. No Luke. So apparently Luke disappears right away <laughs> and is pretty <laughs> reclusive for 30 years. So basically, like, he went to the party on Endor... Uh -huh. And then left early and was just like, screw it, I'm going to go meditate or do cool lightsaber stuff for a while. Yeah. and Or maybe he was like, I'm going to go find the next generation of Jedis and start training them. Well, that's the thing is, <clears throat> in this book, I mean, there are some points where it's told from Leia's perspective. And when she, you know, she thinks about Luke and stuff, she doesn't even know what he's doing. He's just off being secretive doing Jedi stuff, so most likely he's finding somewhere that he can train young Jedi. That's yeah. probably the first thing that he started, but from these books we don't know that. Um, <clears throat> so in the first book, uh, it actually opens on Wedge. He has been sent out by the New Republic um, trying to find where... Uh, in Imperial remnants are hiding out. And so he's been searching this kind of like sector of star systems around the outer rim area. And he jumps into this sector and he's not in like an X-Wing or anything for the purpose of, you know, not being shot down on site by the Empire. Right. And he jumps in and... He jumps in and there's a there's a star destroyer there. Oof. He's like, oh well, I should get out of here. And then a second and a third star destroyer jump in, <laughs> and they put him in a tractor beam. And he's like, oh, crap. Well, if I take out their tractor beam after I've programmed my hyperdrive, I might be able to escape. And then it jumps to, um. Grand Admiral Ray Sloan, a female character, um, and she's on the the Star Destroyer, the first one, and they're you know scanning him, and her little ensign is like, um, this guy's charging his weapons. She's like, it, he doesn't have weapons on there that could affect us, and then they like zoom in on it, and she's like, wait, there's a torpedo launcher on that thing. All right, open up comms. I'm going to talk to this guy. She's like, hey, you can fire that torpedo if you want, but you know there's three Star Destroyers here, right? Like, we're going to destroy you before that torpedo hits us. And Wedge is like, dang it, she's right. Shenanigans ensue. Wedge doesn't die. Um, <clears throat> Nora arrives at the planet by happenstance. She's not there for the New Republic. They're, she's there to return to her son um, because this just happens to be her home planet that this is taking place on. Um, <clears throat> Jazz is there to assassinate a um, financier of the Empire and they all get planet side and it turns out that they're like five bigwigs of the Empire meeting to discuss um, how the Empire needs to recover from the second Death Star. Um, <clears throat> and they all get washed up in it. Jom and his commandos get sent in because 
the New Republic determines that that's the likely system that Wedge visited last before he didn't check back in. They send in a probe. The probe's like, hey, there's a there's a calm blackout on this planet because they send the Star Destroyers away so that they're like, this guy, this guy's a rebel. We don't want the rebels coming and being like, Star Destroyers, send a fleet! Um, but the probe notices the calm blackout, so they send in the, cam- the commandos to be like, hey, just check out what's going on on the ground. Right. The, em- the Empire notices the commandos coming into orbit, and they're like, yeah, shoot it down. Oh, shit. And uh, they use a turbo laser from the ground to shoot down the transport, as well as all of the other commandos as they are um, basically skydiving through orbit. John's the only one that doesn't get vaporized by a turbo laser. Jesus. Yeah, so it's pretty pretty vicious. Uh, they get through it, end up killing a couple of the Imperials, catching a couple, and Ray Sloan gets away. Um, and then the second book, the group is essentially... I mean, they're basically bounty hunters, but sanctioned by the New Republic... To be like, hey, you're not bounty hunters, you're New Republic, like, special forces group, and we're going to send you out to hunt down Imperials. Okay. And then the third one, they visit the planet Jakku. We know that one. We know that one. And it explains why there are um, starships and star destroyers wrecked on the surface of the planet. Okay. Um... The entire, the entirety of the Imperial Remnant, all of them, we're talking the entire Imperial fleet, is gathered at Jakku um, by this behind-the-scenes bigwig named um, Gallius Rax. And he was essentially a secret... Um, assistant to the Empire or to the Emperor directly and before the Emperor lured the Rebellion to the second Death Star he sent this guy with a Super Star Destroyer into a Nebula cluster and he was like hey just chill out and let's see how this goes down and then and then you you know the plan if it doesn't go our way and so he assembles the Empire. He's essentially going to rule the new Empire. <clears throat> and he draws everyone there. Um, and the New Republic finds out. And they send their entire fleet, because they now outnumber the Empire. So they send their entire fleet to Jakku. And a massive battle ensues. Talking space and ground. Awesome. It's huge. Basically, the New Republic is like, this is it. We end the Empire today. Send everything. So basically, it's a lot like the <clears throat> battle in Rogue One. Yeah, but even end. bigger. Oh, damn. Because Rogue One, you know, there was there was a small rebel fleet. Yeah, and not, there were, not the whole rebel fleet. And there were a few Star Destroyers. Yeah. We're talking a Super Star Destroyer. Um, dozens of Star Destroyers, uh, hundreds of TIE Fighters, hundreds of Star Fighters, uh, dozens of, uh, new, New Republic frigates and such. Um, they've got their new capital ships, plus the, plus Admiral Akbar's giant cruiser, um, and they just go ham in the atmosphere. Oh. Uh, and it, you know, it comes out on on the Rebellion's side, or the Republic's side. Um, and Gallius Rax sends Sloan, because she kills him, sends Sloan and uh, General Hux, the father... Of Ooh. of our favorite little redhead from the First Order. Father of our redheaded stepchild. Yes, which, 
turns out uh, our actually Hux, a stepchild. He is an illegitimate child. <gasps> oh! And his father really did hate him and beat him. <laughs> oh my god! And this is—they said this is official canon. This is official canon. Oh my god! Yes. So, can they make these into movies one day? That's what I'm about to talk about. Yeah. So there are, there's obviously a lot of elements to these books that I didn't touch on. Um, one of the elements is freeing Kashyyyk. That's okay. a that's a really cool segment, but it is big enough that uh, it could honestly be made into its own movie, and doesn't. It doesn't necessarily fit in perfectly with the rest of it. Okay. Like, as far as adapting these into their own standalone. Um, plus, it could work because, you know, they've they've cast their young Han Solo for his standalone movie yeah. coming out who'd next cast, year. Who'd they cast for that again? Oh, gosh, I don't even remember. I, I know it's someone I had never heard of. Yeah, he's not a big name, and I don't really like the movie, if I'm going to be honest. Like, you don't like the concept they're going with? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I really like, like it's Donald how- Glover as Lando Calrissian. Oh, well, yeah, it's hard not to like that. <laughs> um, Alden Ehrenreich. Yeah, no clue who that is. Um, he was in Hail Caesar. What, which what was Hail Caesar? Um, that was with George Clooney. Um, the oh right, yeah, uh, Clooney and Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, um, and I mean I like him as an actor. He was really good in the movie. What else has he been in? Not not a ton of like anything big. I'm just trying to. <clears throat> but they since they do have him. They could potentially uh, <clears throat> work that into it. Um, like I said, they've got Leia woven into this story, and she's a fairly large part. Um, but if they cut Han Solo from it, then it's easy enough to cut Leia from it. <clears throat> but given that it's the main ensemble cast are all characters that we have we haven't heard of anywhere else. It's it's really easy to work with it. Um Wedge Antilles, I don't think anyone's gonna throw a hissy fit if they were to cast a new Wedge Antilles. Yeah. <laughs> he did not play quite big enough of a role in the movies for no. people to be like, wait a second! You haven't got the same guy. That's not you and McGregor's uncle. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah. Damn. And he actually told Ewan McGregor not to do the Star Wars movies. Really? He's pretty salty about the Star Wars movies, actually. Well, then, yeah, definitely don't get him <clears throat> back. You don't get to join in on the fun now. Yeah. So, <clears throat> um... You know what? Fine. You don't get to be part of this billion-dollar movie franchise. <laughs> You but dick. it's it's tied in to everything to like some of the things that we know, like the origins of the First Order are obviously this little splinter cell that Gallius Rack started. And I'm really interested to see how it develops because they don't just like hang out on the fringes of the outer rim. They go out into unknown space beyond the outer rim. Quick question. How You said Gallius Rex dies. Gallius Rex dies. All right. How does Gallius Rex die? Um, well, Ray Sloan, uh, she's fighting him, and then uh, she she gets her ass beat by him, and then Nora Wexley comes in. She's like, hey, you're mean, and fights him, and he kind of kicks her ass. But then she gets her hand on the blaster and shoots him in the shoulder. And he's like, you shot me. What? That, no. I'm going to go away now. And he starts to try and run away. And then Ray Sloan gets up and she's like, I'm done with you. And she goes and she fights him a little more. And he fights her off. But then Nora Wexley's like, yo, 
Admiral Sloan, I hate you, but here's this blaster pistol and slides it to her. She shoots him in the back and he like collapses on this set of stairs. Then he shoots she shoots him in both his knees. Oof. And then in the gut for the kill shot. Oh. And just lets him die slowly. Damn. But he does in fact die. Okay. He is blood soaked in his white naval uniform. Like he's wearing a like, you know, a red cape like uh Guys with red capes wear. Yeah, like guys with red like capes. Like Superman. Wear. Yeah, like Superman. <laughs> I was. This I was is our thinking the uh, DC universe. <laughs> I was thinking the uh, uh, guy from Rogue One. Oh, um, God, why am I blanking on the villain name? I know, right? That that one guy. Gosh, we suck. Yeah, we do. We oh. even with our connection to imdb and (coughs) i mean my cell phone yep i know it's got a k or a c or a or a krennic krennic Krennic. Ah. director krennic director krennic but you know he he had the it's white on the back but then it's red underneath the front face inside he's got one of those capes and when nora wakes up from passing out from getting her ass whooped comes across him she's like his naval whites are the color of his red cape i'm like ooh, ooh. and then something about his eyes being glassed over and whatnot so All right, so he is in fact dead he is in fact dead he is not supreme leader snoke that's so that's I what know i was what getting you were thinking that's what i was getting at because you said his name and i was like ooh, that seems like a guy that would eventually become <laughs> snoke no so i didn't know quite. if he'd like Died in a fire or something. There were like, how does Snoke get that deformed? There were a couple of uh, there were a couple of candidates in this that I thought might um, be candidates for Snoke, but they all die, and I was like, well, all right, I tried. Well, we'll see if the next next book. Yeah. So, um, as far as the movies go, it would be. I mean, the the first movie, you would be able to get away without Han or Leia in it at all, very easily. Um, if you decided you wanted to keep them out of it entirely, then it's easy enough to do that. You tweak the story a little bit, and you can make it work out. Um, then you go on to the second and third and they can stand mostly as they are with without it um some more kind of supporting reasons that i think these are good candidates for the movies um there's 30 years that they have open to make into movies between six and seven yeah why not start with something that's early because you don't want to jump into the middle of it and then make it weird for yourself to jump back. Yeah. So if you're going to jump into those 30 years, you want to start kind of early on. These start like four months after Endor, if that. Okay. So um, it focuses on the struggles that the... New Republic had getting started, getting off the ground after Endor. Um, it wraps up with how they got rid of the Empire and why we have the First Order and not something about the Empire um, in Episode 7. <clears throat> uh, it's got a very a good variety of cast members. Like I said, the Zabrak, everyone loved Darth Maul's look. So if you bring in another member of his race, people are automatically going to be drawn to that character. Yes. Uh, She's a pretty badass bounty hunter. So we, I mean, we haven't had one of those since Boba Fett didn't quite earn the title of being badass. True. Um, The only, his reputation that we know him as is essentially 
Vader saying no incinerations. So, I mean, we don't really have anything except people kind of reacting to Boba Fett to establish that, oh, yeah, he was a kind of badass bounty hunter. Plus, yeah. he looks cool. The Mandalorian armor is pretty sweet. That's that's pretty much the thing. They go off just how he looks. Yeah. Oh, if you've got a helmet, you're scary. We never see your, We never see his face. It's true. Vader, that's why we're scared of him. Yeah. Kylo Ren, that's why we're not scared of him. Yeah. We, we see his face. A lot, and there's nothing even wrong with it. Yeah. Give me my drink. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, we've got her... Um, she and Nora Wexley are both very strong female leads that a lot of the story centers around. Um, like I said, Admiral Sloan, she is the main villain through most of it. Okay. Um, Gallius Rax is kind of like in the background. He's much like Palpatine was as Darth Sidious in, in the prequels gotcha um so we've got we've got that uh you get a gay character the ex-imperial is is gay um so they can branch out with that um we get introduced to a couple of new species during this such as uh they're they're holding official elections for um, Grand Chancellor, okay. um, which Mon Mothma essentially inherited the role because she was the leader of the rebellion. Right. But since they're forming the the New Republic and getting the Galactic Senate up and running, they she opens it to election. Um, and which is the right thing to do correct and her main opponent is this alien of a race that we've never seen before uh in the movies and it sounds really cool he it sounds kind of like the predators because their <sighs> their bottom jaw opens sideways Ooh, it sounds pretty freaky interesting and um <clears throat> And he's also, like, he's the skeevy politician that that you can tell that he does, like, have the best interest of the galaxy in mind, but you don't like him. Mm-hmm. So there are some pretty interesting storylines through that. Um, overall, uh, I rate the story as about an 7.8 out of 10 um, for the books. It's, if it was a more focused story, I think it would be better. But there's a lot of interludes that that are off the main story that have nothing to do with it, that at times it just kind of interrupts the flow. Like, I'm following along and getting into it. And then it's like, interlude. Out on the edge of wild space, this pirate is doing this thing. I'm like, I don't care about the pirate. Ah. Like, I understand that they are setting themselves up so that they're like, oh, we can establish this so that we can have books that discuss it, that they can interact with the New Republic, and people won't be like, well, how did this happen? But, no. You don't have to. It doesn't have to happen. So, um, the movie proposal would essentially be an abridged version of the books, honing in on these main characters throughout the the three books. And uh, I think it would make a great trilogy that would break away from the numbered episodes mm-hmm. but you you'd still have a trilogy happening so you don't have to plan out because you know kathleen kennedy said she wants to make it the the trilogies happen once every 10 years right. so you don't have to then get five single movies to fill those 10 years you can you can have 
this trilogy that takes up every every two years. Um, you start it two years after, and you've got two, four, six, then you've only got a few years until the next trilogy. That's a numbered episode. Okay. <clears throat> so that's that's how I feel on the on the potential of them becoming movies. Uh, after Austin and I finish some more work on the series that we're working on, I might delve into um, adapting these into movie scripts just to give it a shot. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that's what I've got for the combination of Geekdom and film and TV. Alrighty. Oh, the third book is also where they talk about the fate of Jar Jar Binks. Ah. Yes. yes. So this is that series that that happens in. Nice. Hey, kids, it's Jar Jar and Crispy. How you doing? <laughs> hey, kids, I'm Crispy the Clown. <laughs> and Misa being Jar Jar Binks. Misa being Jar Jar. Okay, so... Misa make balloon animals. Uh, <laughs> all right, so that wraps it up. We're going to move into the sports. Yes, the sports. The sports. Uh, so... I will have... The, I will have two topics that I will be discussing today. Okay, well, um, to lead it off, the NHL and NBA have both finished up their run to the finals. Uh, this year's NHL Stanley Cup will be uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins versus... Penguins. Penguins. As uh, Benedict Cumberbatch would say, Penguins. Um, versus the Nashville Predators. Now... I don't really like Nashville because they're dicks to the Blackhawks. <laughs> yes. They're, they don't sell tickets to Blackhawks fans, which seems absurd. Yeah. But at the same time, they're an eight seed that made it to the cup. So that's really cool. Also, I got to say, their fans are kind of awesome. Have, have you seen their goalie chance? No. So <clears throat> I think it was... Mueller was one of the last goalies that they faced. I don't know. I think it's Mueller, something like that. But anyways, um, when they were beaten up on Anaheim one one game, and I, from what Bruce, my stepdad, has told me, they do it most games. They start going, Mueller... Mueller. Oh yeah, they've, they've done that for a long time because they did that. You suck! Mueller sucks! Mueller. Yeah, they've done that for a long time. Uh, they did that. They do that to Crawford all the it's time. It's so funny. Literally every time they play the Blackhawks, like as soon as the puck drops, they start going, Crawford, Crawford. And they will do that the entire game. It's so funny and well organized. <laughs> it's true. Like, it's very... Like, that's that's I will, the incredible part. I will say Nashville does have a really good fan base. Yeah. Like, they do for <laughs> hockey. They do for the Tennessee Titans. Like, basically... True. Like, any kind of organization you have in Nashville, you're going to have great fans with it. <clears throat> and I'm I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out here and say that after they swept the Blackhawks in the first round, I texted you guys and said Nashville's going all the way. Because you don't just sweep... One of the best teams in hockey, one of the best organizations in hockey, and then not ride that wave all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals, at least. That's now, true. will they beat Pittsburgh? I don't know. Pittsburgh's a very good team. And they're very physical, but Nashville's they're working also on, physical. Yeah, they're working on defending the title. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. And that's the thing, is like both in the NHL and in the NBA, we have teams defending titles in the finals. Yep, uh, NBA Finals for the third straight year, we are getting... <sighs> The Golden State Warriors versus the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, because no one saw that coming. Uh, it, I mean, that's Golden State didn't lose a game this playoffs, and the Cavs lost one. one. They had a combined twenty three and one or twenty four and one. Twenty four and one record. Twenty four and one record. Yeah, just <clears throat> it's insane. I'm I'm over it. I've and been I've been over it once 
once uh, Golden State signed Kevin Durant, and that was the talk <laughs> immediately of, oh, we're going to get round three. Like, yeah, no shit. Like, they're the you, two super teams. You, like, Cleveland didn't lose anybody. Mm-mm. Golden State didn't lose anybody. And then they added one of the best players in the NBA. Like, yeah, it's going to work out. And <clears throat> just, uh, I'm, I'm just so sick and tired of a lack of competition. Yeah, in the and NBA. Uh, I, I feel like Golden State will win because they have had a tougher go. Like... They their margin of victory I think is greater than the Cavs was. However, they played tougher teams than the Cavaliers have played. True. The Good. Celtics were the toughest team that the Cavs had to face. They gave them and, the most issues. And even that wasn't that much of an issue. No. Whereas Golden State, they fought back from two games against the Spurs. They fought back from being down. That first game, I really didn't think that they were going to come back. They were getting destroyed by the Spurs at one point. Well, that's the thing with Golden State is that at any point, that team can get hot. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's never a game where they're down that you sit there and think, <clears throat> oh, there's no way they're coming back. <clears throat> like someone can get hot. Like and yes, so there have shooters. been there have been games where they've been down and they just never come back. It's like I'm not saying that they always have a chance to come back, mm-hmm. but I mean there's always a possibility. No, you have when you have guys like Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green. Like you're never completely out of a game unless you completely decide to give up, which they really don't ever do. Yeah, that's true. And during the regular season, no, you can. You can phone in a few games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You can you can take out you can take out these they, guys. And they already got their record for the best regular season record. Yeah, and then they followed that up by not winning a championship, so it means nothing. Yeah. So honestly, it's just like the Blackhawks. They had that win now mentality through the season, mm-hmm. and then they got swept in the first round. So you have to weigh not burning yourselves out for the playoffs against having a great regular season. Well, that's why you saw so many of the top teams in the NBA this year resting guys so much. Mm-hmm. Like it seemed like it seemed like for a couple months there LeBron was getting like was like playing two games, getting a day off, playing <sighs> two games, getting a, a day lot. off. And I'm like this is why I think the NBA is a joke. Like I I get it. It's an 82 game season. Like you're putting a huge toll on your body. <clears throat> But at the same time, you're supposed to be playing all these games. Mm-hmm. And I understand most of them are just like, oh, we're going to get to the point where we're guaranteed a playoff spot and then, you know, we'll let guys rest. But And people also make the argument, well, Greg Popovich has let guys rest for years. I'm like, yeah, but Pop does it with the end goal in mind of getting them ready for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I just feel like for a lot of these stars, like, it's just because they are tired and don't want to play. Yeah. It, like they can say it's because oh I want to get ready for the playoffs, but honestly when, I think honestly I think LeBron's just December, like yeah too early you to should be, be ready you should be playoffs. always playing for like the first half of the year at least yeah and then when you get to the second half and you get closer to that playoff spot yeah then you can rest the playoffs start in April right also, also Greg Popovich had to deal with one of the oldest rosters in the NBA <laughs> for a long you time had, you had Tim Duncan Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili. <laughs> And those are your three starters. They were all over 30 years of age. Like, mm-hmm. they need the rest. Yeah. Like, uh, I, uh, I have so many issues with the NBA. <laughs> I really do. And I know people will say the argument, well, LeBron's in his 30s now. I'm like, yeah, but you all tote LeBron as the most physical athlete in the world. Like, yeah. why is he resting? That's a fair point. Like, yeah, Manu Ginobili needs a few days off every once in a while. If LeBron's this freak athlete, why does he need a day off? Because well, he's the, getting old, but he's a freak. The playoffs start in April, right? Yes. Um, and the All Star break is in February. January? February. Yeah. They, <laughs> they should be playing every game through the All Star break, and then after that, you need you can take maybe a game off a week. That's the most you should be doing. Um, and when you get into 
March, March, late March, if you need to if you play have a, two games and then take a rest. If you have a playoff spot lined up, already mm-hmm. clinched, I have no problem with you taking a day off or a couple days off. Yeah. Especially if you're playing crap teams that aren't... Like, if you're playing, like, uh, well, if you're playing, like, the Bulls. Yeah. Which, like, the Bulls Sorry. were on the... I'm a Bulls fan, but, man. Uh, the Bulls were on the bubble most of the year, and they're yeah. not really, like, a team you need to worry about. They finished 41-41? and 41? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think they finished 500. But it's... <clears throat> like, if you're, if you're just playing a team that you know is not really going to have a big effect on you, mm-hmm. like where you fall in the playoff standings, then yeah, go ahead and rest mm-hmm. Go ahead and rest LeBron and Kyrie and J.R. Smith and let them and, and be well-rested. And fans can expect that. Because yeah. you, if you're a real fan, you know your team has uh, locked up a playoff spot, you know they're playing a garbage team, don't go and expect to see the stars. Yeah. if Say, if you're on a team that's going to be one of the top three or four <laughs> seeds, and you're going to see them in March, mm-hmm. and they have a playoff spot lined up, don't expect to see their star player. I mean... When they're playing a crap team. Yeah. If they're playing against but, one of those other top four teams, everyone's going to be in because they're jockeying for position. Right. My my issue was them taking days off in November and December. Absolutely ridiculous. You've just started the season. Yeah, you don't need to rest. Yeah. Did you not condition? I don't think they do. <laughs> like, honestly. And I I love that people uh, complained when the Blackhawks were resting a bunch of guys because they gave uh, they gave Jonathan Taze, Patrick Kane, Jalmerson, Duncan Keith, and a couple other guys, I think. They gave them a couple games off. Mm-hmm. People were like, well, why aren't you throwing up a fuss about them? And my personal response was, that's hockey. Show, show so me a physical. game where LeBron is getting hip-checked into the boards 20 times a game, yeah. and I'll shut up forever. <laughs> LeBron runs back and forth and sometimes gets bumped into. <laughs> sometimes he gets tapped and then flops wildly. Uh, yep. Which, that's the thing. is Show me these guys that are getting absolutely demolished on the court. Mm-hmm. And then I'll say, okay, yeah, they need a day off. They need a chance to... They need a break to rest their body. But that's not the case. Nope. Like, you're just poorly conditioned at that point. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like, unless you're actually ill or actually injured, because that's the thing is, like... And, and that was my other argument. Don't say you're giving them a day off. Say, oh, uh, his hamstring's bothering him or something. Yeah. Something that makes sense to give him a day something off. Something that doesn't sound Make, lazy. Because that's what the NHL does more often than not. Like, I love Joel Quenville's injury reports. Because it'll be like, okay, uh, this guy's not playing today. Why not? He has an upper body injury. Yep, there you go. What does that mean? He has has an an injury in his upper body. What part? Upper body. (laughs) Like, he's not descriptive at all. It's either an upper body injury or a lower body injury. He never specifies what. So that's the way he can determine how long they get rest. Yeah. But um, I just, I've had issues with the NBA all season. Oh, we are fondly familiar. Yeah, I spent like four weeks talking, four episodes talking about the NBA and what a joke it is. Yeah, and then you were like, I'm going to talk about the NBA, and we were like, no, stop talking about them. Because I believe I was going to talk about the resting issue, and then you guys were like, no, we need to stop talking about basketball. Yes, yeah. So I went and found something else to talk about. Uh, So now my my issue is just the lack of competition, because you shouldn't have teams that are winning Every you shouldn't have teams that are sweeping every series up to the finals. It's impressive and it's cool to see this like, one time. But if they do it again next year, it's boring. They'll do it again. Well, they might not because it depends on if Kevin Durant comes back to Golden State or True. not. True. It's weird that he signed a one year deal. Well, he wanted the one year deal to try and go win a championship this year. He put all his eggs in this one basket. Right. Because then he can decide after that if he wants to go to another team and try to build them up or if he wants to go back to OKC and try to help them win. Mm-hmm. Like, he basically is just like, I'm tired of not winning a championship, so I'm going to go play on the best team in the NBA and win a championship, and then I'll go play wherever else. Right. Oh, that bidding war is going to be crazy this offseason. 
Yeah, it is. Golden State's going to try and get him back because, especially if they win, mm-hmm. so like we want to go back to back to back to back to back. We want to get that three peat like the Bulls, and then yeah. we want to get the six peat like they should have had, the ox peat like they yeah, should the, have had, the eight peat like they should have had. Jesus, um, like Golden State, I w- I wouldn't be surprised if Cleveland even tried to get and sign him. Yeah, but I feel like your lower level teams in the playoffs, like the Bulls, are going to try and make a big push. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't think the Bulls will actually do it though. They've failed for a few years now to bring in someone <sighs> big that's still I, young. I still feel like they would have gotten Carmelo Anthony if the Knicks did not just give him an obscene amount of money. Yeah, and what's and now Phil Jackson wants to get rid of him. And that's what angers me so much about that. By halfway through the season. Mello was like, I don't want to be here. And Phil Jackson was like, I don't want to have him. And I was sitting here like, then why didn't you just sign with the Bulls? Because that wasn't where the money was. It's, and the, I'm again, another problem I have with the NBA. It's not about what the best opportunity is for you. It's who's going to pay me the most money. You're all selfish. And I'm going to say this to every single one of you NBA players. I hope you hear this. You're all selfish bastards. You don't care about the fans. You don't care about the teams you play for. You don't care about anything except what the f- money in your pocket is about. I'm sorry. That's why I don't respect NBA players. That's why I don't really care about what they have to say. It's just, it's all crap. I, I don't, agree. I, I feel like there are a few players yes. that actually care. Not all. Not all just of you. overwhelming no, majority. I, I want to say like 92%. Care mostly Ni- about the 92% money. 92% care about the money in their pocket, and that's it. <clears throat> they don't want to go to a team that's going to win a championship. They don't want to go to a team that they're wanting to rebuild. Because I feel like, I mean, like... Uh, Joel Embiid and Jaleel Okafor for the 76ers. They're mm-hmm. no, they were going with trust the process, and they're wanting to rebuild the organization. Yes. they're two guys that I feel like are actually buying into that. Mm-hmm. But I fear that one day they're going to sit there and be like, "Oh wait, we can get more money somewhere else." Okay, <clears throat> like could be. I, I always thought like LeBron was one of those players. He's like, I'm you no know, playing for the team that I. I'm playing for Cleveland. I'm playing and in my then hometown. He went to the Heat. Then he went to the Heat. Lost all respect for him. Yeah, it, because absolutely. he went because not only did he go to the Heat to first off play with two of his friends and try to win championships, which I understood that. Yes, but Miami gave him a lot more money, and he went to a state where there's no uh, income tax, mm-hmm. so he didn't have to dish out as much money. Yeah, he got to keep more. <laughs> Because that's what we because that's what it, it was, he's all about. It was also about the way that he did it. Yeah, that it was, was just crap. Just off to have a special event on ESPN, and then waste it everyone's time. All day. Oh God! And he's like, "Oh, I'll do it with kids around. That way, people won't hate me." No, nope. Everyone still hates it. Yep. So I mean, that was awful. I think we are all in agreement that that was. The worst decision LeBron has made in his entire career was doing the decision. And I think even he will admit that one day. I I think he probably he, he does still, admit it. I, I, don't, I don't think he's admitted it yet. I still really? think he has no regrets about it. Last last I think last I read, he doesn't have any regrets about how he did it. But I think one day he'll look back and be like, yeah, I shouldn't have done it the way I did. He... I oh think he'll he'll never regret the decision to go to Miami. No, no, not. But that. he can regret the way he did it, and I'm okay with that. Yes. But to think that if he seriously goes through his entire life never thinking, yeah, I probably shouldn't have done it the way I did. He's just a piece of shit. Yes. He's a garbage human being. Despite all the good things he does for his community. By the way, going back to Cleveland only earned him back a little respect. Because it wasn't it wasn't that he was like I mean the way he put it was he was like I'm coming home stuff and yeah like I believe that that was part of his decision but the other part of it was Cleveland was also like we're gonna give you a crap ton of money and we're going to essentially let you make the personnel decisions. Cleveland basically gave him the greatest deal in NBA history. Yeah, because they gave him a gob of money. It was a good PR move for him. Mm-hmm. They basically told him, you get to pick the coach. Uh-huh. You get to pick the coach. You get to pick who plays with you. Who, If you want to go, if you want us to go sign somebody, we'll sign him. If you want us to trade for somebody, we'll trade for him. 
he's literally is making all the decisions. They I mean, act like he's not. He's basically but I'm sorry. the president of operations. He's, yeah, which, I mean, I'm sure he'll probably do for the Cavaliers one day, and then he'll realize, oh, this isn't as easy as when, you know, I was playing. This is when I was playing, and I could just make demands. Yeah, just make demands. People don't just, like, if I, like, go to another team and say, like, hey, I want this player, they're like, no. I, I don't understand what that's like. But uh, it's just, uh, I didn't. Dylan, was this stuff that you wanted to talk about in sports? Well, I did, two want, things? I did want to talk about the NBA Finals a little bit and just how there's no competition. So okay. this just kind of spiraled into how much so I hate the NBA. So what's your second thing? All right, so the second <laughs> thing. This one I'm actually happy about. I don't know. I'm happy oh, about something that's wow. weird. Happy about sports. Yeah. I talk about so much bad things in sports. <laughs> so it's nice to talk about something fun. So the NFL had their owners' meetings recently. Yes. And... The NFL, in a brilliant move to pull the stick out of their asses, <laughs> are going to lighten up on the celebrations in the end zone. I am so happy about that. Now, what does this mean? Does this mean they can dunk through the goalpost again? No. No. That's still illegal. And I, does I this understand mean that Antonio Brown can twerk again? No. Aww. There's there's no I understand the no dunking on the goalpost because Jimmy Graham had to ruin it by bending the goalpost. Yeah. That's the thing, guy. is like if you like throw it through and tap your hand, that's fine. But don't throw it through and then hang on the goalpost, you yeah, moron. They're, they're not made for that. Yeah, they're not made to hold a two hundred and sixty pound man. Um the twerking I oh, I don't really get, but uh But okay. Okay, whatever. But here's the thing that's coming back. Group celebrations yep. are back. I'm glad. Using the football as a prop. As is long back. as it does not imitate a weapon. Yes. Uh, or inappropriate object. Yeah. So you can't hump it. Yeah, you can't do that. You can't hump it. You can't uh, cradle it like a baby and then kick it. Because <laughs> then that's insinuating that you want you to want punt to babies. Bit. Yeah, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> and then. And then uh, Oh, where was I going with that? Yeah, you can't, you can't, can't do. you can't use it as a weapon. You can't you can, uh, use it like a gun. But I'm excited for group celebrations to come back because I feel like those were always the most fun. They were so much fun. I can't wait for the time when someone does the bowling ball trick. Oh my gosh, that was always so funny. You just have like your offensive lineman and one wide receiver set up as six pins. You roll the ball and they all fall down. Also, oh wait, they can't do that. I was going to say the grenade, but it's weapon. a weapon. Can't do it. Damn. Still, like, or if, like, okay, so Victor Cruz signed with the Bears. Yes. If he scores a touchdown, the entire offense does the salsa. Nice. I want that great. so badly now. Uh, so, yeah, I'm excited that the NFL is pulling at least one of the sticks out of their ass. Yeah. Because, you know, we've all had the, there's been the same the last few years, the NFL stands for the no fun league. Now they're actually going to be a little bit more fun. And what's even more interesting is Roger Goodell uh, had an interesting uh, person weigh in on this decision. Mm-hmm. Chad Ochocinco. Really? Because Ochocinco, big fan of the celebrations. Oh, very much so. He's very creative with all of his, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he asked him, he's like, no, what do you think we should allow? What do you think we shouldn't? What should we allow? What should we still have be no penalty? And he took a lot of his suggestions. Chad told him, no, let group celebrations come back because the team's happy when they score a touchdown. Let everyone get in on it. Yeah. Uh, and then he, and then I think he also told him, let them use the football as a prop. <clears throat> um, just, and I like that Roger Goodell's reaching out to former players for stuff like this. He needs to do it more often. Because mm-hmm. what better way to learn how to reshape the game than to talk to the people that played it? Yeah. Like it just makes sense, so I'm I'm just happy. I'm excited to see what they're gonna come up with now, mm-hmm. because the NFL has a lot of really creative people in it. Yeah, I, I'm, I would agree. I'm, with exci- that. I'm excited to see what uh, Odo Beckham Jr. is gonna come up with. Uh, yes. Cam Newton's gonna come up with. Man, uh, I'm I'm excited. For, I'm most excited for like offensive linemen, because I feel like th- they'll just make up their own stuff when someone scores. Mm-hmm. Like the running back runs in, then all five of them will like go in the corner and do something crazy, while the running back's off by himself celebrating his touchdown. <laughs> like, oh, I'm just, I'm just excited. I'm excited for this. I like the the NFL's trying to be fun again. 
Fun stuff. Fun yes. stuff galore. So, yeah, those are my things I pretty much wanted to talk about. So, the NBA right. sucks and the NFL is starting to be more fun. Yay! For what? Oh, the NFL also things. shortened its overtime from 15 minutes to 10 minutes. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I do too because there's no point in having a 15 minute overtime. Yeah. I would actually be a fan of bringing it down to five minutes. Especially when usually <laughs> one team will score. It very rarely do NFL overtimes last multiple possessions back and forth. Well, and that's also the point of bringing it down to 10 is it gives the teams a little bit more sense of urgency to score mm-hmm. because you don't have as much time. Right. But, and I, this is probably going to be an unpopular opinion of mine, but I'm actually mm-hmm. not opposed to two different types of overtime. Um, one, do like what college football does. Where you set it, maybe not on like the 25 and go in. Because I know people don't uh, really like that. I'd give them, I'd give it to them at their own 35. I would, I would say give it to them at their own 40. Because it still gives you 60 yards to work with. Mm-hmm. But you can make up that 60 yards in one play if you really want to. It, j- it makes it a little bit more difficult, but not too overly difficult. Mm-hmm. Um... And also, I wouldn't mind just, like, a Hail Mary contest. Which, basically, I would equate it to, like, a shootout in hockey. Mm-hmm. But I know that could just be kind of a shit show. <laughs> and it could cause a lot of injuries. Yeah. But it'd be interesting probably. to see. <laughs> like, But then it's an unfair advantage for the Packers. Because Aaron Rodgers is a king of Hail Marys. Yeah. Like, it's unfair how often his succeed. He's he's so good. Yeah. So I'm I would be in favor of changing some overtime <laughs> rules in the NFL. And I know a lot of people don't like the how college football does their overtimes, but I find that better than giving a f- extra fifteen or ten minute quarter and letting them play out, and then no one scores. Like make it a little bit easier for them to score. Give them four downs, and then that's it. Don't punt the ball. Mm-hmm. Give them four downs. If they don't get a first down, team picks up the ball right there. So if you start on your own 40 and you don't get gain a yard, team gets the ball, you're 40. And, and they, they have 40 yards. Goal. Yeah. If Which they got I, a good kicker, they could. But I still like the rule where if they kick a field goal, you have to score a touchdown or but you get a chance to respond. Only if you weren't the first team with the ball. True. If... If you get the ball first, you do nothing. All they have to do is kick, kick a, a field goal, goal to win. Yep. Which I agree with. Because if, if you couldn't do anything with your chance. I hope someone's writing this down and gets it to Roger Goodell. Yeah, sir. This is this is gold. Roger, I know you're one of our subscribers. So You're an acquaintance of the podcast. I hope you've been taking notes because this is gold. Um I think that's it, right? Yep, that'll be it. All right, so thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, as always, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at The Shakedown Pod. You can email us at theshakedownpodcast at gmail.com. You can find all of our episodes up on the website, which is Dark Nebula Entertainment, uh, dot com. Um and we've got the Shakedown tab. It's got every episode. They never go away until they take up too much room, and then we might get rid of them. We'll see. But <laughs> then you, uh, you can also find us on iTunes and Google Play. Sure can. Uh, if you haven't yet, we'd love for you to subscribe. Uh, you know, when we tweet these out and share them on Facebook, if you could retweet and share them that would be great that really helps get the podcast out gets us more more listens and potentially more subscribers um if you have any questions comments concerns we are still waiting for our first uh fan mail that we can (sighs) share i mean the only person that has actually uh sent us anything is mt uh mt if you're listening we always appreciate your feedback and uh, we love the work that you do, so and keep doing you. MT, you're a boy. Yeah. 
Um, so that's been everything for this episode. Um, again, have a great week, folks. We'll see you next week with more content and the return of Austin Stevens. Yeah. So uh, that's been it. Uh, I'm Dan Schweizer. I'm Dylan Webster. And this has been The Shakedown. Copyright infringement. God damn it, you said you weren't going to do that anymore. I had to test it out.